I want to begin with a little bit of an illustration together, and, uh, and then I want us to read some Luke 24 and pull a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, things out of there. And my, my message, or my illustration this morning, is going to, I want us to think about uh, how we spend our time. Um, now, if we had more time and this was a little more of a Bible class setting, I would probably have you write down maybe a typical week's schedule for you. What are the activities that take up your time or the things that you plan for in a typical week? I want you to think about those kinds of things because much like the message series we just came out of where we were in Philippians and we were looking for joy in our everyday lives, this illustration can be applied in that sense too because the things that take up our time are usually really good indicators of the things we find importance in, right? The things that take up our time and our schedules, our everyday lives, are really good indicators of the things that we find importance in. And more than that, the things that we find importance in not only tell us about uh, us or as individuals, but they also are indicators of the things that you and I believe are going to fill us up. There are lots of things that can fill us up, and each and every one of us, and I am not excluded from this list, look for things that fill us up. And so I have several different pieces of paper just quickly uh, typed out different things, and there's others, of course, and I'm not going to go through all of these aloud here this morning, but there are things in our lives. This is where I want us to start, and I, I want to invite you to think about this. The things that take up your time. What do you search for to fill up your life? Is it food? Is one of those priorities and one of those things that gives you joy or happiness food? What about exercise? Think, oh, this is a good thing, a healthy thing, but sometimes those kinds of things can take up our lives and our, our, our focus, and they can be something that we look for as a filling up. What about friends, the people around us? Do we look for others to fill us up? What about shopping things? Reading, podcast. What about school? Sports. And the list goes on. Family. Church. See, all these things that some of us would make a really good argument, and I could too, that are good things, things that are beneficial. Things that we want and need, we would even make the argument, but they take up and they fill up and we find identity and we find ourselves in them. What about social media? What about TV? All these things together fill up our jars, games, and sleep. Helping others can sometimes create the identity and fill us up. Work and gossip, complaining about others or work, music, the list goes on. I put selfies on this one. 
politics and money, job, all these things. And what they end up doing is this. And this is the visual that I want us to hold on to over the next few weeks. And it is the visual that if each and every one of us are these kinds of jars or vases, by nature and by circumstances and most certainly by society and culture, we are people who strive to be full. A good full life is typically seen as a good thing. You hear that often at funerals. You live a good full life. Because we don't think about life living on the empty, right? When the car goes empty, and I shared a couple of these stories a couple of weeks ago, how I used to be really bad about keeping gas in the car. When it gets close to empty, what do we do? We fill up. And so we have the mentality and we have the life structure that our lives have to be full. They need to have something, and we strive for the something, and we look for the something, and we add it to the jar of our life, and we want to have a full life. But what if, what if it's not about filling ourselves to the brim with the experiences and with the people and with the goals of this world, but what if it's about emptying ourselves? What if the sense of fulfillment from life doesn't come from the things of life? See, you and I would, you're in a church, you're, you're in a worship service, you would at some level, I think, make the argument, yes, we need some kind of spirituality, we need some kind of hope or faith that we can't see, something that goes in the jar, so to speak, that you can't really grasp or hold on to, but when rubber meets the road kind of stuff, we don't know what that is. We're not sure how that functions. What does it look like to live life not for the things that fill us up, but for the emptiness that drives us? And the hard part for us is to grasp how being full of nothing is really what matters. It's actually nothing that makes us who we are. Because you see, I'm not going to find my true identity or myself in friendship. I'm not going to find it in my vocation. I'm not going to find it in the things that I like to do on the weekends. Those kinds of things are not going to make Travis, Travis. And if we pay attention, it is the nothing that makes us who we are. Why do I say that? Because Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus has been murdered, crucified on the cross. He has been buried. His tomb has been sealed. Now, if Jesus matters to you on any length, at any depth, if Jesus matters to you, then Luke chapter 24 is the nothing that you need. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. When they arrived, they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. 
But when they entered, they didn't find the body of Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down and their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. They remembered his words. Verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. That's the disciples and to all the others that were there. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe them. Because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over his soul the strips of linen, lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself. What had happened. Here's the big idea. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. And if Jesus means anything to you, nothing ought to matter more than the emptiness of the tomb three days after his death. If nothing matters in our lives, the illogical, life-defying emptiness of a dead person being raised from the dead is everything to us. I don't preach to make you feel good. We don't gather in this place so we can have a happy feeling when we leave. We come into this place because nothing matters. It changes people and it changed the world. It is the nothing that fuels everything. And all of that comes from the empty tomb. It is nothing where we find sense of worth. It is nothing that brings a, a sense of who we are. It is the nothing of the tomb that creates identity. It is not the things or the activities or the hopes of this world. It is the nothing of a tomb of a dead man that matters. Now, there's a lot of verses I could have gone to, but I just to kind of give a little idea of this and, 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 and the nothing that matters. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, one of my favorite passages of all the scripture. Paul's making this point to which Jesus's actions changed everything and it changed who we are and the work that we participate in. And he says this in verse 17 to the church. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And the main idea to which Paul is giving to the church is that in Jesus Christ, the nothing that matters creates something new. That the old life is gone forever because the nothing that matters has created and brought to life what was once dead. It doesn't make sense, and that is important. 
You see, when we don't live on the, on these, on the terms of life anymore, when we say, you know what? These things are not the most important identifying things of my life. When we stop chasing after the carrot to be filled by whatever it is that's coming next, when we stop to pay attention to nothing, we are filled. When we stop doing more and adding more, when we stop getting more and going back for more, when we leave more behind, we have nothing. And that's everything. You see, these kinds of things in, in our life jar, these kinds of things we can hold on to, right? We can look at them and we can read them and we go, yes, that's, I, can, I can identify with that. I know that. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yes, that's me. Don't you know I wear that polo, that sports team. And oh, I like those kinds of things. We can hold on to those kinds of things. But the nothing that matters most can't be held on to. Because when we get rid of and stop chasing after the more, we are quite literally left with nothing and there's nothing to hold on to. And that is everything. Because the nothing of the tomb defines who you are more than the junk of this world. Now, this is a simple idea, but it is a profound one because nothing matters to each and every one of us. It is the center of our faith. It is the center of this worship. It is the center of this church. It is the center of our ministry. Nothing. The empty tomb matters. So how can we think about this a little bit differently? Let me tell you a personal story. Baptism, February 19, 1997. On that uh, Thursday evening... Uh, I was baptized with my sister and my father by my grandfather. It was one of the more special uh, moments of my life. And I remember the evening. I remember the atmosphere. I remember the people. And I remember the entire thing. And, and what happened was, is, is I decided that nothing matters. As a teenager, I... Prayed about it, I studied about it, I, I, I read about it, I built a relationship with Jesus Christ. I came to the point that I decided that nothing matters. And so I got into the water and I confessed my life to Christ, not to this world. And my grandfather took me and he. He pushed me back. He bent me back. And I went under the waters. And this symbolic moment of death, because the world was not going to fill me any longer, I came up out of the water new. Raised new. New creation. The old was gone. And the new was here. And I did that. I made that decision. Not because I thought it was something else to add to my jar. I remember thinking for days before that that I was not 
good enough. There was nothing I could do to, to get rid of all these things that would, that would uh, 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 taint my jar, right? That would ruin my relationship. And it was the occurrence. It was the realization. It was the moment that changed my life when I realized it was the nothing that matters. New creation. New life. We can talk accomplishments. We can talk about your abilities. We can talk about your experiences. But what we need to discuss more than any of that is just how much of nothing you know. Because it is the nothing of new life. It is the nothing of the empty tomb. It is the nothing of God's hand and spirit and each and every one of us that matters most. And that power and that source is derived from the empty tomb. Have I laid it on thick enough this morning that nothing matters? We have to stop being people who chase after the things that are going to, to fill us up temporarily. We have to stop chasing after the carrot. Stop going after the next thing. Stop trying to be happy and start being people who live into the watery grave of nothing. I want to end with a couple of observations from Luke chapter 24 because I think they may make some good examples for us today. Um, this isn't all my observations. These are only two from Luke 24. We're going to pay attention to other gospels and their, uh, and their resurrection stories over the next three weeks. But let's pay attention to these two things. <coughs> As the women are going to do a burial ritual to the body of Jesus, they are going with one expectation, right? They expected something. And what amazes me is they got nothing. They found the stone rolled away, Luke tells us. But when they entered, they had an expectation of something, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. My oldest is celebrating her 12th birthday this weekend. She opened up a bunch of presents yesterday. And I'm guessing that if one of those presents from her mother and her father, uh, ripping into the paper, opening up the box... Uh, and getting in there and opening it and seeing nothing, she'd be quite disappointed. In fact, knowing Reese, she would just think that I was pulling a prank on her and be waiting for the something. We're like this. When we expect something and we get nothing, we are naturally disappointed. When we expect something and get nothing, we're disappointed. 
We're not sure anymore. We seem to be let down. And in this moment, in Luke chapter 24, these women who go to the tomb, they expect something and they find nothing. And they seem to be confused at first, which they should be. The dead person is not there. What has happened to him? And even in the conversation with the angel, they get nothing. But they get everything out of that. Their expectations are changed forever. Their out, their out view of life is altered forever. And I wonder how often our expectations in every aspect of life are self-centered, self-obsessed, self-relying expectations. I wonder how often we look for something when we ought to be looking for nothing. How often do we come to worship to be filled? You've heard this language, pet peeve language of mine. How much of our identity is wrapped in how we can accomplish more? How deep is our personal desire to be a part of something meaningful? Perhaps our expectations ought to change and perhaps our expectations ought to be a little, well, about nothing. Because nothing matters. Secondly, uh, these women, their interactions with, with the angel and their expectation of something leads to nothing in their lives and their out, their out view of life has changed forever. And they run back to the 11 disciples and the others that are with them. And when they came back to the tomb, verse 9, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But verse 11, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Nothing is hard to believe. Far too many look at what we are doing in this school cafeteria and they think that doesn't make sense. Too often they look at another church and they're thinking, why does it make sense? They look at the things of the church of God's people and they say that is nonsense. Embrace the nonsense. These women did. These first preachers of God's word of resurrection embraced the nothingness. It was hard to believe even for the closest followers of Jesus Christ, but it changes people. And people will look at you and they will look at me and they were going to look at this church and they're going to say, this is nonsense. It doesn't make sense. They're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they're going to have scientific fact after scientific fact of how that could not happen. And they're going to say, your faith is illogical. And they're going to look at your church and they're going to say, you are nonsense. The world doesn't buy the message because it is illogical. It doesn't make sense. And it's based on nothing. It's based on the emptiness of the tomb. It is based on a God who can do all things through all people and even the impossible, which is bring life from death. 
I love this quote from Frederick uh, Buchanan. Believing in him, that's Jesus, is not the same as believing things about him. Believing in him is not the same as believing things about him. Do you believe him or do you just believe the things about him? Our instincts and all of our training is to fill, fill, fill. All of us are, are preconditioned to be people to get more, have more, put more in so that we can feel like we are doing something with our life. And everything about the resurrection, everything about a dead man coming back to life is nothing. It is emptiness. It changes us because it's not about the filling of our life jars. It is about emptying them because it matters. I end with this. Luke chapter 24 verse 12. The last verse of the passage we read this morning. Nothing is hard to believe. But when you begin to believe. You're changed. And we're going to spend more time with Peter in a couple of weeks. But in Luke's gospel. He says this about him. While everyone's having a hard time believing, Peter gets up and he runs to the tomb and he bends over and he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. The body was wrapped in linen after his death and he sees that linen lying on the ground and he went away and he wondered to himself what had happened. Your invitation this morning is to wonder. Your invitation this morning is to run to the empty tomb. Don't have all the answers. Don't worry about all the, all the logic and, and the life-filling things. Your invitation this morning is to go to the tomb, see the linen lying on the ground, and to wonder. To see that there is nothing. It matters. I'm going to make myself available in the back of this cafeteria during the singing of this song. If there's anything I can do, this church can do or pray for you, I will be available. You can find me there. You can also find me after our worship, which will be over here in just a couple of minutes. I will be around. I would love to talk to you about nothing. But as you stand and as you sing here in just a moment, I want to invite you to respond to God's word. Luke chapter 24. What are the things that are filling you up? And what really matters. Let's stand together.